Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Bradley Sowell's not with me. What happened? Wednesday night, when we're supposed to record for the Thursday show, he fell asleep putting his kids to bed. So it's me and my buddy, a blast from the past, the Old Miss Spirit past, Sudo Upadea. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's up, Benjamin? Happy belated. Oh, thank you. People don't know, my birthday was on Wednesday as well. So, yes, happy birthday to me. I'm 35, halfway to the grave. It's a weird one. It's the first birthday where reality kind of hit me in the face. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited for 35, man. I feel like, you know, get a little more gray hairs going, you know. Maybe maybe some kids at that point. I don't know. Seems like it's an exciting uh, exciting time. I have two kids, nine and five, yeah. both at school. Yeah. yeah, I'm an adult. I'm full-on adulting now. So if anybody on the Old Miss Spirit message board or on Twitter tries to do the whole thing, young Ben stuff, no, stop, stop. It ain't young. I mean, no you're more. still pretty damn young, dude. 35 is nothing. Ah, well, I feel it. I feel 35. And 35 just sounds older to me. 34 didn't sound very old. 35 sounds older. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a mental thing, but it feels and sounds older to me. Man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for my 30s. I don't think 35 is old. Honestly, like, I mean, what is old really, right? Like, it's it's really what's in your mind. But, uh, you know, I would think like late 40s, like mid 40s is about where I'd start being like, all right, I'm getting old. Till then, you know, just keep going, man. You realize who your friends are, who your real friends are, when you get to 35 and they're still wishing you a happy birthday. Because back when you're younger, when you're in college, when you're in high school, everybody's wishing you a happy birthday. But by the time you start to weed it all out as you get older and you get to 35, whoever's still texting you or calling you on your birthday, that's who's still your friends. That's who's still... Uh, so you're, people, you're calling me out. That's what you're doing now. Because yes. yes. I didn't text you. Yes. I don't have a Facebook anymore, Ben. That I don't used have to Facebook be my either. Calendar. I just, you know what? I'm going to put it in my person. That's what I've been doing. I've been like putting them in my calendar and setting yearly reminders now because I, you know, I just couldn't do Facebook anymore. It was way too toxic. And uh, yeah, man, I just totally uh, missed it. Yeah, but I was just trying you're to make you feel bad. <laughs> I was just trying to make you feel bad. You <laughs> called me on it too. You caught exactly what I was doing. But yeah, I feel pretty bad. We know each other too well. Sudi used to write with me at the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. What are you doing now? Nothing, Ben. I've been unemployed for eight months. Uh, I left, uh, you know, obviously I was a sports anchor. I was working in Atlanta covering the Falcons. Kind of got burnt out doing that. I said adios, left, and uh, I've been unemployed since. I've started my own kind of media brand called Pivot. Been working on that, trying to, you know, generate some income while I do that and just kind of figuring life out, man. And I'm having a ball. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, it's, it's been pretty great. Sounds like you feel free. I do, man. I do. I'll tell you what, man. I think, you know, the grind of covering sports, you've been doing it way longer than I have. And it just, it, it takes a toll on you, man. My parents are getting older. I mean, I wanted to spend more time with them and just like, I, I spent most of my youth 
covering sports from the age of 15 until last year. So 25, 26, I had been continuously covering sports and it's a grind. I mean, you're talking weekends, holidays, you know, did the whole anchoring thing in Memphis. And it's just, it, I don't know, man, I started feeling uh, kind of weird and I was way too young to be feeling jaded. And I was like, I'm taking a break. I'm out. You know, I may do it again at some point, but uh, right now I don't think I will. If you've got the ability to do it, now is the time to do it. Because I remember Young Sooty, when this podcast used to be the flagship with me and Stephen Godfrey, our number one fan was Young Sooty Upade at Oxford High School. <laughs> you love bringing that up every time I come on. Because I just remember <laughs> it. And I remember the first time you introduced uh, yourself to me at the Tad Pad in the bowels of Tad Smith Coliseum, walked up to me. I was like, who is, but man, who is this little overly excited kid who's all up in, <laughs> oh, I put a face to the name that's always in my Twitter mentions or always, you know, saying something or wanting to be involved with the mailbag, something or other. And here he was, Suda Upadeh. And now I can't get rid of look at Look how many years later it is now. 35 years I old. Know, you, you still hit me up. I don't know what credibility I have anymore, Ben. Like I'm not actively in, you know, a sports anchor, like a sports journalist, really. I wouldn't even call myself that anymore. You have a passionate fan base on the Ole Miss spirit. That's true. I am still a fan. I, I'm never going to give up the Ole Miss fandom. I know that when I worked in Memphis, some people had some qualms with me. They, they thought that I talked too much about, you know, the Tigers or showed favoritism. That's just a product of working in that That's market. what happens. That's, That's what, what happens. happens. Yeah. You have to you have to cover things that you're directly doing on a daily basis or like around on a daily basis. But never, ever think that I ever gave up my allegiance, although I was unbiased. I had to report unbiasedly. That's our jobs. I ne I always got excited doing Ole Miss highlights, and people would notice. They'd be like, "You get a little, you get a little something when you when you start talking about AJ Brown or DK Metcalf, you know." And that never changed. Well, DK Metcalf was a buddy of yours from high school, so I, I wouldn't really say buddy. Well, acquaintance. I'm trying to give you a little <laughs> I, I credit here. You know, middle school. Well, yeah. still, whatever, whatever. And the whole thing about being objective, I'm all for it, and I try to be, and I, I think I do a good job of it. But what I've learned in this business is really no one's objective in any kind of way. They say they are, but no one yeah. is. Every single person that you run into in this business has an agenda of some kind. Dan Bolton way, yeah. kind of exposed all of that to me. Oh, oh. the national well. guys, you get a national job. No, they all got agendas, man. No. Yeah, it's, I don't even know. There's no such thing as objectivity, as man. There's no such thing as objectivity. I believe it. There's, you're always going to have biases creep in, but yeah. I did it to the best of my ability. Like you know, I I would I would almost go out of my way to prove points sometimes. You know, you always get nasty Mississippi State fans emailing you and being like, "You didn't da da da, and you gave Ole Miss all this time." So sometimes I would be like, "Oh really? Okay, just wait." You know, State fans still up in your mentions and in your emails. That's great. Yeah, when I was working in Memphis, how funny is that? They were yeah. like, "You're an old spirit guy." Like, damn, damn right I am. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. At Suda Upadea on Twitter. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Still write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. And for the 247 Sports. That was funny about Wednesday on my birthday. Chuck calls me to tell me that he's deposited my check. So that was a great birthday present. Okay, cool. Yeah, my check's been deposited. But then he goes, oh, yeah, it's your birthday. How old are you now? 35. Man, how long have you been with us? And boy, looking back and thinking about when I started in 2008, a long time, Chuck. A long time, thirteen years now, man. It's been a long time. I feel older. Hey, that's, yeah, that that that's, that just speaks on how valuable, but how just, valuable you are. It was day. just funny though, with Chuck going, "Man, you really been <laughs> with me that long?" Yeah, man. Yeah, you didn't know you're signing oh, up dude. for this for fifteen years or whatever it is, thirteen years. You didn't know. 
but here I am, still here. Well, I know he's enjoyed every every day of that. Every minute. Actually, <laughs> Chuck and I have only gotten in one fight ever. Have I told you that story? I've seen y'all fight before. I don't know if it was a real fight. It was a bit. It was more of an argument. But it's more of a bitch fest, more than anything. I don't. I, tell me about it. It may be the same one I'm thinking of. Well, no, the only Arkansas? real fight. No, no, no. Was the, Wait, what I happened in Arkansas? Well, the seven OT game or the six OT game, whatever the Chad Kelly year. <laughs> I don't think it was really a fight. I just think you were really upset. You were like, you know, this was our chance to go to the cha- SEC championship game. Like. We had it won, and I remember you were just, you were mad at Hugh Freeze. You were so upset at so many different things. I don't even get mad or get any kind of emotional That was the only time, the only time I've ever seen you, because you used to call me down. I remember being a student working for y'all. I remember we were down in Baton Rouge the year that, uh, you know, we I think we missed a field goal, but Wallace threw a terrible interception at the end of the game, and you used to I was really so upset. down. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course. And and you, you used to always talk some sense into me and be like, come on, man, you've been an Ole Miss fan for how long, like, you know, but I remember that Arkansas game. Just that was the first time I saw you lose it, man. Because I think, like everybody in that stadium that day, if we won that game, we were going to the SEC championship game. Bottom think- line is this: it goes back to what I was saying about objectivity here. Yeah, okay. Yes, I have objectivity, and I do my job the best of my ability, and I do not take my job home with me. But that no. game was unique because, like you said, had they won, they're going to Atlanta. And never before had they gotten that close outside of Eli's year when they only needed to win one more game. They go 7-1 and one in the SEC West and don't go to Atlanta because LSU chooses to go 8-0 or 7-0. No, did they go 7-1? and one? Yeah, they went 7-1. No, I, I can't remember. It was either 8-0 or 7-1. and one. And if there was well, one loss was um, to – they just they if they lost to Arkansas, Ole Miss gets in. But Ole Miss controlled its own destiny against Arkansas that year. And to get that close to Atlanta, yes, that was frustrating. Because I wanted it for Ole Miss fans more than anything, and just Ole Miss in general, and to be able to cover it, that's to be just the biggest story, football-wise, that I've ever covered, certainly. And throughout my time around Ole Miss, my entire life, my 35 years of existence, that's the biggest story, getting to Atlanta. Not the Sugar Bowl, not anything else, anything that's come before it, it's getting to Atlanta. That's all Ole Miss fans want, one trip to Atlanta. They just want to go to the SEC Championship game. That's just what they want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, although I will say the Sugar Bowl was great. I just remember being like, you know, I, yeah, I was, was like 20, 21 at that time. But I felt like a six-year-old kid, you know, like being like, like whoa, we're like in a – it wasn't even a BCS game at the time. But in my head, I was like, we're in a BCS game. Like, but it was still massive. an exhibition game. A hundred percent, yeah. Whatever they call those, access games or whatever. Still an exhibition. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, at the end of the day, it's just a reward you play for the trophy. It doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things. But uh, who won the Sugar Bowl so in 2015? <laughs> when it wasn't know. the championship game, if I asked you just a given year, who won the Sugar Bowl? You couldn't tell me that. Yeah, I don't know. I would just guess like, you know, Alabama or Georgia or someone like that. But I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> 2015, no, the 2015 was, uh, that was, that was a semifinal game that year. I think. Okay, well, there you go. When it's not a playoff or the national championship game, who won the Sugar Bowl? When it was an exhibition, you, you can't really tell me. No, no, I can't. But that, that was the, that was the, that was the pinnacle of my Ole Miss fandom was winning the Sugar Bowl. And just being a student at the time, man, like, I know so many people that went through school when they were just awful, including you, um, <laughs> I remember you know, when so Ethan Flat lost to Wyoming, man. I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> All right. Exactly. I was there you know, I, when Ed Orgeron yeah. almost lost to that directional school. And there was yeah. maybe, by the end of that game, as almost as holding on to win by three, maybe 400 fans in the stands. Maybe. 
Oh, dude, I, yeah, I remember, I, you know, well, obviously I wasn't in school at the time, but I remember all those games. But to be in school and knock off Bama and, and win a Sugar Bowl and all those things, like, you know, very grateful for this. <laughs> yeah, you should be. You have nothing to bitch about. Think about what was my Ole Miss experience. I come to Ole Miss the year after Eli leads Ole Miss to the Cotton Bowl, goes 7-1 and one in the SEC West. And when I get there, that's when the downturn happens. And they never have a winning season. All four years I was there. Well, I'm still a little bitter, Ben, because I know they could have been better. And if it wasn't for some, you know, boneheaded decisions by the coach and at the time, who we may talk about it here in a sec, um, you know, could things could have been better. But we, I don't want to. We don't want to. We, we don't have to do that. We don't have to have this discussion. Well, you want to talk about Hugh Freeze? How you think Liberty's a trap game? Uh, yeah, I mean, don't you think so? No. Look at look at any game on that schedule, right? I don't consider any SEC game a trap game. Maybe like Vandy, you could consider a trap game on a, on a certain year or whatever. But you like can never this year, if you look at Ole Miss Vanderbilt for granted, if you're an Ole Miss fan, and if you do, you haven't learned your lesson. Hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you can look at certain years and be like, oh, like especially when Ole Miss is really good and expected to win a lot, you can look at a Vandy game and be like, that's a trap game. This year, you know, I expect them to be like middle of the pack, similar to last year, maybe. But, like, you look at the Liberty game, that's the only true trap game, in my opinion. Because on paper, you're like, they should be able to win, right? But then again, you know, Hugh, I know, is going to have some tricks up his sleeve. Malik Willis is back. Ole Miss's defense still has a lot of questions. Like, that could be one of those shootout games that, you know, might leave a bad taste in our mouths at the end of it. I hope not, because I plan to be there for that game. I hope we stomp them into the ground. But, you know, I think it could be. Well, Bradley Sal and I have talked about this, and Brad thinks that Ole Miss is going to absolutely boat race Liberty. I've said it's going to be more uncomfortable than Ole Miss wants it to be because Hugh Freeze is going to empty the bag of tricks because Hugh 100%. Freeze has not learned That's anything. That's going to be the biggest game like for him, dude. Like yeah. You know Hugh. Like, he's going to come in there, and he's going to try to like – Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. my God. This is like th- – this is so good for Hugh Freeze. Coming I into absolutely Vaughan. dread that week of coverage. Dread it. Oh, I'm coming to town for that one, Ben. I think that's the only home game I'm going to be oh, at this year. I'll, I'll be at the one in Knoxville. I'll be at the one here in Atlanta. But the only one I'm coming down for <laughs> is probably what's going to be an 11 a.m. kick against Liberty. I'm well, Knoxville was the site of the only fight that me and Chuck ever really had, where he threatened really? to fire me. Yeah. It was when so Ole Miss went up like, there and got like, absolutely killed by uh, Derek Dooley's Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah. Like 56 to 14, something crazy. And I was writing a column that just blasted Houston Nut. Yeah. I was so mad. And um, Chuck was like, no, you can't write that. And I went off. I was like, yes, I can. No, I'm your ball. And it just became a thing. And that's the only fight. That's the only time I've ever just wanted to go, I'm done. I quit. I'm out of here. I got to write about this. This is a travesty. No, I don't take myself so seriously anymore. But yes, that was the worst fight we ever got into. But I think that going to Knoxville, that feels like with Lane Kiffin going to Knoxville, it's not the same acrimonious vibe that it's going to be with Hugh Freeze coming back to Ole Miss. He's going to go to Knoxville. And people there, there is a segment that's still mad at him, but really time has they healed all him. wounds. Yeah, they love him. They, they love, love him, man. Love I have him. friends at UT that were convinced that they were going to pluck Lane away at some point. They were like, oh, we're going to get him back. He they would welcome him, him back. After yeah. Town. They would yeah. welcome him back with open arms. To whereas Ole Miss, they've moved past Hugh Freeze. I, I'd like to think so, but I still see a segment of the fan base occasionally, like, you know, on Twitter, you know. 
I don't, I don't know if as much uh, anymore as they did last year. I still do see it occasionally, but like I remember, like before you know, we we got to see Lane's team last year. There were still fans that were like, "Man, wish we had you back." Really? Interesting. Did Here's I tell you about the time that I like some, somebody tweeted that, and uh, I responded with that gif of the the, the guy going "Hell to the na na na," and Hugh just DMs me and goes, "Bless you, Sudo." Oh my god. <laughs> And I hit him back. I was like, hope you're well, Hugh. I was like, what am I going to say to that? Nothing. (laughs) What is he doing? How bored does he have to be? Or how self-involved or lacking self-awareness or narcissistic, whatever you want to call it, does he have to be to search his name and find that and DM you to take the time? You're a millionaire, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? really cares about what people think about him. And you know, it's funny. It's like for someone who cares so much about what people think about him, Shouldn't you be living your life in a way that would make you like, first of all, like you shouldn't care what people think about you. you. Like I'm not, I'm I'm not one to say, look, I'm not going to knock him for that because I've had a problem with that before. I've had a problem with that. And I would get in fights online and all this kind of stuff, but I've learned to not take myself seriously and to realize that not everybody's going to like you. Hugh Freeze has not realized that not everybody's going to like you. No, no, exactly. But if, if that is the goal is if that's like the thing that's so important to you, wouldn't you live your life in a way where I'm not saying you should be flawless, but you're not making like very blatant mistakes, like in questionable character decisions over and over and over again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that should be rule number one. Like, yeah. let me not do that, you know, because people might talk trash about me. Well, he's going to oh. come. Back. The thing is, is you said, I don't understand why some old Miss fans can still have an affinity for Hugh Freeze. I can. I absolutely can. Because I think about it. where Ole Miss was before he got there. And yeah. if you take away everything he did off the field and just his general just his general vibe as a person, <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> knock the guy. Because, look, he came on this podcast, and we kind of hashed out all this stuff. I'm good with Freeze. I'm good with him. I honestly am. Yeah. But, oh, I, I don't have any sort of hatred for no, the man or anything. I, 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 I like just, to make fun of him. I like I, to poke fun of him just because yeah. he, he takes himself so seriously. A hundred percent. And I have some qualms as far as him being a coach at his time at Ole Miss. Like, not even the off-the-field stuff. Like The little treadwell pass that he kept trying to make a thing? Oh, my God. So many different things, Ben. I mean, there was a game. You know, I go back to, like, his first year. We were playing Auburn. We had a chance, I think, to seal the game. And he, like, does a shotgun handoff to Itavius Mathers when he had Mikael Miller, rest in peace, this giant quarterback that could have just friggin' plowed through and gotten the first down. There's so many games like that. A&M. You know, when Johnny Manziel comes back the first year they come to Oxford. I mean, I have little plays in my mind that I remember being like, dude, I'm not even a coach. I'm not even a coach, but I could, like, what What are you doing? See, that's what are the we thing. doing? I don't pretend to know more than these coaches because I don't. Me neither. I don't pretend to Me be neither. some expert. Whenever I do an interview, I approach it like I am trying to learn something from you because this is your area of expertise. 100%. Having said that, I even know better than to use my All-American defensive tackle as a fullback and get him concussed <laughs> against Memphis. That's another moment. Yep. <laughs> or if something like the Laquan Treadwell pass isn't working and you try it time and time again, give up on the dream, man. Give up on the dream because it's just not happening. But Hugh Freeze, I get it why people still have an affinity for him because if you think about what they were, it was Ole Miss before him and taking Ole Miss to sites that it hadn't seen in forever the sugar bowl was a big accomplishment yes it was an exhibition game but it was still a big accomplishment because the sugar bowl used to be the old miss bowl so i understand why people appreciate 
and have an affinity for Freeze. But the only coach that they could have hired that could make them forget about Freeze and completely move on to something else, a new identity, Lane Kiffin is on his own a brand, on his own a program, the face of a program. The only one that could basically take the entire fan base, galvanize the entire fan base, take it and bring it together and move forward. I don't think there was another coach out there because from that point, that forward, dude you, was you made still, for Oxford, yeah, man. Right. That well, you still have the oldest head coach. that Hugh Freeze discussion. You don't see it on message boards anymore. You don't see no. it on Twitter. With Matt Luke, it was still there. It was always going to be there. If you'd hired anyone else, anyone else, the most bland coach imaginable, or if you take Brian Harrison, who's now at Auburn, maybe Ole Miss makes that higher. Even that guy, there would still be Hugh Freeze discussions. They're missing Hugh Freeze. Lane Kiffin was the only coach that was available that had every box to check to not only move the, the program forward and give it an immediate shot in the arm, national credibility and recognition, but also to move past Hugh Freeze. So, yes, that week is going to be an absolute shit show. It has the potential to be a trap game. But if Ole Miss is the team we think it is, that will not be a trap game. Yeah, I hope not, Ben. I, like I said, I hope we, we, you know, we run them into the ground. I hope we, like, friggin' put up, like, 60 points. I really do. But uh, my, my only reason is I don't know anything about Liberty's defense. I'm not even going to act like I do. But I do know Malik Willis. I'm sure a lot of people do. Uh, dude is hella talented. Uh, and we know what Hugh Freeze can do with uh, athletic quarterbacks. Uh, you know, that guy can run his offense pretty well. I've seen a, a good amount of his highlights. And I think if our defense is, um, you know, even close to what it was last season, it could become a problem. That's that's my only concern about that. Game. No, I get that. Because defensively, if, Ole Miss yeah. still is a concern. And I understand that after the scrimmage, they practice again on Tuesday, available to the media to come visit and watch and look and listen. And Lane Kiffin talks to the media and says, well, now that I watched the tape, the first unit was actually better than I gave it credit for. To me, that just reeks of the coaching staff seeing the coverage of the defense being so bad, Lane Kiffin being frank and honest after in his assessment after the scrimmage on Sunday that he now wants to clean it up and make it sound like it wasn't so bad, which is just what happens, which is totally fine, and I get it. I've been in this game long enough to understand it. But don't expect me to not think that the defense is still a work in progress at best and very much a concern at worst by their first true test this fall, which was that scrimmage and absolutely getting demolished by Matt Corral and company. So if that defense isn't improved, then Liberty, yes, it becomes a game that it's a danger game. It's a trap game. Yeah, I get that. But here's the thing, though. I I still think that Ole Miss is going to be improved defensively. I really do. I think they're playing a lot of players right now in practice, see what they have, and they don't even know what their depth chart is. You can't discern a depth chart if you go out there defensively. So we don't even know. Real quick, got some house cleaning items to get to. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, doesn't matter. Just simply search Talk of Champions and we're there. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate 247 Sports. Before we jump back into our conversation here, Sudo, let's hear from B&A Bank, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. 
We are the Bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone, from pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. My navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com slash TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, Ben, I listen, I, I've been so excited about John Rice Plumley making the oh, switch to receiver. John I know. Rice. I, I know, dude. Like, I, I haven't been able to shake off John Rice Plumley's phenomenal, what was that, 20, yeah, 2019 season when he broke onto the scene, 2020? John no, Rice. Dude, look, I, I, I'm, I've never thought that he was going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, I thought maybe Lane could have done a little something with him, but I knew there were limitations with the arm. But you can't doubt the athleticism, man. You really can't. I'm so excited, especially after seeing him in the bowl game. Dropped a couple passes, but then he got that tutty. I'm telling you, dude, I am so pumped for John Rice Plumley out of the slot. Like, I think that dude's going to be the secret weapon this year. Really do. Might be going a little too far. You are. This might be a hot take. Maybe there's a lot of Ole Miss fans that feel this way, but I'm a part of that. I really think they're going to have some creative packages for him just because it's Lane Kiffin, man. This is exactly the type of thing that would happen in a Lane Kiffin offense. See, I think of Jerion Ely expanding his role. Oh, that's a no-brainer Yeah, to me. Like, I, like absolutely. Like, I think dude's going to be catching hella passes out of the backfield. It's going to do God, some amazing things. you're such a things. young kid. Hella. You say hella <laughs> like three or four times already, I think. Oh, can't change. I'm, I'm 26, man. I probably shouldn't be talking like that anymore, you know? But uh, it's just who I am. But anyways, Sean Rice Plumley expects some huge things. I mean, what do you, like what have you seen or like what have you heard from from practice? Oh, uh, it's been all positive. Of course, it has been. Good. And I don't think there's Good. anybody really competing with him for the number one slot position. So I could see yep. it. I just really want to see it for myself in games. Him running routes. Running routes is not something you just pick up over over the course of a couple of weeks in fall camp. You got to be able to do it regularly and you have uh, clean releases and be able to break guys down. And can you stick your foot in the ground and do a break and get open? I just hadn't seen him do that. I, I want to see him actually in games consistently be able to do that before I say, oh, yeah, man. I mean, this isn't video games. And that's the one thing I've been saying. This is not video games to where, yeah, if I'm playing NCAA football t- 2014 still, I'll just take John Rice Plumley from quarterback and move him to wide receiver. And then, boom, he can run routes and I can feed him the ball up his catch to what – 
75 to 85, depending on if you want to make it realistic or not. And just feed him <laughs> the ball, force feed him the ball. But it's just not like that. There's so many nuances to wide receiver that he doesn't know yet. So I'm just kind of tapping the brakes a little bit. Not to say that he's not going to have a big role. He's going to have a big role. It's not just going to be as a wide receiver. But I has anyone asked? Uh, has anyone asked him like how much he's been on the jugs this offseason? Like, has he been on some crazy? Yeah, regimen? but nothing, nothing simulates live action, live bullets, and being able to actually break down the defender in front of you. Yeah, that's no. You're you're not wrong about that. But what I like is the route running. Of course, concerns me because it's more than just being shifty, right? You got to be able right. to do it extremely well. Come off your brakes really well. It's the efficiency of running a route. Yes. Yes, but there have also been actual wide receivers at Ole Miss in the past who have not been great uh, route runners, who have put up crazy numbers in college only to be exposed at the pro level. So, Are you talking about Laquan? I mean, I'm just saying there was a certain receivers coach at Ole Miss a few years ago who apparently wasn't prepping these guys for the league. That's, I heard that from a player at Ole Miss. Okay, so you're talking about uh, Grant Hurd? <laughs> Hey, man, look, I'm not here to call anybody out, Ben. I'm just here to— It's just a podcast is what we do. I'm just here to be very vague, okay? that's No, that's that's not allowed. You're filling in for Brad. (laughs) So you're saying that you heard from a player that Grant heard— Yes, I've heard from multiple former receivers at Ole Miss that they felt unprepared in in that staff that Grant Hurd would have been on. Now, two things. One, they didn't run the full route tree, but that I don't think was necessarily Grant Hurd's fault as much as Phil Longo in that offense. Well, I think this was pre-Longo as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. different. So, yeah. They weren't uh, running a full route tree under freeze. No, and I think that that's kind of the point I'm making, Ben. I think it has to do more so with the, the type of offense you freeze is running, um, more, more so than maybe just hurt. But I did hear from, like I said, a, a receiver that played at Ole Miss who's pretty dang good that they were not teaching him how to run routes properly. Um, that's why I remember, remember when Van Jefferson first came in, everyone's like, Whoa, he's such a good route runner. Well, yeah, his dad's an amazing receivers coach. Of course. Um, you know, he already knew how to do that maybe compared to some other guys, but you think a lot of the guys that came through during those years that were supposed to be really good, that didn't pan out. Demarcus Lodge is one of those names. Demarcus Lodge Um, was such a good route runner. Was he? Yeah. He was limited in his route tree though, because of the position he played. That's probably more so. Okay, that's more so what I heard then. Um, but anyways, I guess my point with Plumley is in the college game, if you have a creative enough offense, your coordinator puts you in the right spots, your head coach puts you in the right spots, you could really break out and do you know have some explosive moments. And that dude, like you know, he's got explosive written all over him. So okay, so here's a couple of questions I got. Okay, we've gone 25 minutes or whatever it's been here. Is Liberty the only trap game for you? Um, so listen, like I said, it's a hard thing for me to call an SEC West team a trap game. You could lose any of those. I mean, Arkansas, like, you know, any of those games, A&M is going to be really good. I, I look at Tennessee, like Heifel doesn't have the personnel to really run his offense right now, but for some reason, I just, it's just his style of play. I think can match like ours. And once again, the defense is what gets me with Ole Miss. Like if our defense is improved, then a lot of these feelings will subside for me. But I think if Heupel somehow finds a little bit of explosiveness in that offense, even though he doesn't have all the personnel to really match what he wants to do long-term, you know, they got some gunslingers there. They got that. They got a kid from Texas. I can't remember his name right now. They got the Harrison Bailey kid from Georgia. Like they have some good quarterbacks on that roster. Uh, That could end up being one, I think. Uh, although I will say, I think Lane's going to have some, obviously he's going to want a big game going back to Knoxville, but 
That's really the only other quote-unquote trap game I can think of, even though it's an SEC game. Tulane, someone had mentioned Tulane to me. I, I just, I, I can't buy it. I know they've no. been pretty good in the AAC over the last couple of years, but if we're if we're playing Tulane close, man, sheesh, we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so what? how many wins do you have Ole Miss with right now? So I've got us winning the opener, So and then Austin P. so that's two, Tulane, that's three. I've said this since last year. We're beating Bama this year. So oh. That's cool. oh. Yeah. There's my hot take of the day. I, I think we're going to get Bama this year. I really do. In T-Town, I think it's going to happen. Um, you know, people have called me a fool. I've actually bet multiple Bama fans already. I'm probably going to lose. But I, I just have a really good feeling about round two, Saban versus Kiffin. Uh, my money's on Kiffin. I think a lot of people are going to want to make that pick. Uh, I'm sure Saban's going to come with a full arsenal. But I've got us going four and a half. Losing to Arkansas. I just will never say we're going to beat Arkansas. Just, I've learned from throughout the years that Attaboy. Arkansas is not to be messed with mm-hmm. uh, when they play Ole Miss. So losing to Arkansas, beating Tennessee, LSU is interesting, right? Like we should have beaten them last year, and I don't think they're particularly good this year. They lose Miles Brennan, who I never really thought was a big factor anyways. Uh, yeah, was he even going to be the starter though? I don't think so, right? Like he wasn't impressive at all. Mm-hmm. And, and like I was shocked when I found out that Miles Brennan was even in that conversation because I like I remember him playing in high school. He was a gunslinger, but dude was so small. Like I never thought he would be playing in the. SEC. I never looked at him at St. Stanislaus with Chase Rogers, who's going to be the starting tight end probably season opener against Louisville. I never watched him and thought, oh yeah, that's a next level talent. But that doesn't Me say neither. anything because I don't have any idea how to scout players. But still, he was a hell of a high school quarterback, like Mississippi high school quarterback wise. Like he's up there, especially private school ranks. Like he's up there for sure. Like great high school quarterback. Um, LSU, I don't know, Ben. It's hard for me as an Ole Miss fan to just like be like, oh, we're going to beat LSU. Like we should. Yeah. And that's Eli Manning day. So we and better. yet you're so confident about Alabama. Ah, dude, I just that Kiffin saving oh game, God. man. It's after last year. Like, we had no business. That's why I say they're not going to win that game because everything is going to make them, everything about that game is going to make Ole Miss such a trendy pick for everybody to beat Alabama. That's true. That's true. And whenever that happens, Nick Saban always responds. This is true. And that's the thing, right? Like, Saban's, like, remember, I know that we're talking about completely different teams. I'm I'm talking about from 14 to 15 when we beat them in T Town, totally different team. You have Chad Kelly, you've got, you got all these weapons, like, you know, you've Robert Kivdici playing quite possibly the his game best game in an Ole Miss that uniform. That changed the trajectory yep. of one Tony Connors career. Yes. Oh, gosh. Brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But totally. Yeah, I know that brought Throwing me down. Throwing a wet man. rag all over that conversation. Goodness, man. That still yeah. like upsets me to this day how his career panned out. Poor yeah. guy. Um, but. I just don't know, man. It's that it's that thing that sometimes you know you just have that hunch. I just have that about this family game. Could like I said, could be totally wrong. So I'm so totally LSU- picking Alabama because of your hunch. I mean, there's just no chance now. <laughs> Please don't bet because of my hunch. All right, don't come to me on Twitter. Fade Sudo Upadeya. Yeah, yeah. People are gonna come after me. So I think Arkansas is a loss. I think LSU's a loss. A and M's a loss. Uh, Auburn's kind of tough. New head coach. I don't really. I'm not really a big believer in Bo Nix. Honestly, I, so I think we should win that game, but you never know. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give them that win, uh, and then I don't know. What do we think about state? Like I think it's still they're still gonna have some struggles, uh, so I'll maybe I'll give them that win. So maybe I don't know. Like the Ole Miss optimistic fan side of me says three losses, uh, but like if I was a realist, I'd probably say like five losses. So you'd have to find like two more losses out of there somewhere. 
Wow. Maybe like the Alabama one probably would be a loss, right? And you then, feel better about nine and three or seven and five? Um, man, I think I think seven and five, honestly, wow. just because. Here, okay, there's a couple factors in that. They do have a tough schedule. The, the, it is a tough schedule. I think I saw deep. it was Pro Football Focus, the yeah. sixth toughest schedule in the country. Wow, I didn't know it was that tough. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's Mississippi I mean, State. I think is third or fourth. Oh goodness! I'd have to look at their schedule. That's interesting. They must have some tough out of conference opponents. Um, no, I don't know, but you know, like it, the defense is like, that's just going to be the thing everyone's going to harp on, right? Until we see them play, that's going to be the biggest question, the biggest cause for anxiety going into the season for the Ole Miss fan base is what will this defense look like? Another thing for me, a lot of people don't seem to be worried about this. I am still a little worried about Matt Corral's decision making in certain moments, like. Obviously, people point out the Arkansas game, which was just horrid, and the LSU game. It was don't two forget, games. Yeah, I know, but don't forget the Auburn game. There were some very inopportunistic interceptions in that game as well. I mean, Ole Miss was screwed at one point by officials in that game that could have changed the trajectory it of that game. It would have changed the trajectory of that game. Yes, it would have. But, but you know, still, like Corral should have – there was a couple decisions in that game that were very boneheaded. No, um, so I just – I don't know, man. I, it's like, his I hope, first season starting. They I didn't get, get the spring. It's a new offense. They didn't get an offseason. The first time Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy actually got to work with the kid was in fall camp. And he goes out yeah. there and puts up a record-breaking performance in year one. A hundred percent. Like, I'm not trying to knock him or say that he's not deserving of the hype he's getting. I'm just saying, like, some of those anxieties that I'm discussing as a fan, like going into this season. Basically with me saying, John Rice, I want to see it in game action, him running routes. You're saying you want to see the improved decision-making from Matt Crow in game action. Yeah. Yeah. It's just those progressions and things that he sometimes didn't go through last year. And the thing about Corral, those, those decisions, it wasn't like he, Oh, Ole Miss was down and he was leading them back. And you know, they they just had all these like DBs down the field playing deep and they intercepted the ball just based on, the possession or whatever it was more so making the same mistake over and over and over again to the point where you were just like like how how have you not learned from the last one matt and you know some quarterbacks have the ability to improve it's a gunslinger's mentality man i know but that's that's what i'm trying to say some of these weren't gunslinger mentality decisions okay. some of these were like you just made the same mistake, and it was visible on TV, right? You would see Lane Kiffin walk over and be like, "What the hell are you doing? You just did the same thing you just did like two, you know, two two drives ago." But he ago also the last stood time. behind him every single he time. Did. He did, but let me tell you, I think Lane Kiffin has been, and this might just be, you know, obviously he he jokes about the rat poison thing, but anytime Matt Corral gets a lot of hype, he tempers those expectations by saying he had some great moments, but he also had some really bad moments. So we'll see what happens. That's how I feel about him. I, you know, I think like if he corrects those mistakes, he's going to be one of the top prospects going into the draft. I mean, people have already comparing him to Zach Wilson. I've seen like all the, you know, someone compared him to Derek Carr the other day and just like, I like that getting, comparison better. Yeah. I think that's a more fair one for sure. I, although Matt is a little shorter. My problem with Matt is he's six foot. Yeah, that is true. And that's going to be a big knock on him. I think that's where the Zach Wilson stuff comes in because he is like he can he can move around and he's shorter. But you're right, Derek Carr is probably a more fair comparison. But um, I'm not a Zach Wilson a, fan. You're not a what now? I'm not a Zach Wilson fan. I, I I'm not either. Plus, I'm a Giants fan, so like whatever. I don't yeah, I know I, you are. And tell the people <laughs> why you're a Giants fan. Michael Strahan and of course Elisha Nelson Manning. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Those are my those are really my All only right. concerns. Okay. You know. 
right. and and some key injuries. Like I hope Otis Reese stays healthy because I think he's going to be a baller this year. Okay, it's nice to hear from you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on and uh, hotty toddy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so go Rams! Oh, he's so fired up. So, how many games are you going to? I think I missed that part. Uh, I'm trying to make it to three, so I'll definitely be at Mercedes Benz for the opener. Uh, since I live in the A, yeah. um, I had the option of sitting in the box, but it would have to be with Louisville fans. So I said no to that. So I'm going to buy my own ticket. You want me to put you to work? Sitting. No, no, I do not plan to work. This is why I stopped <laughs> being a sports anchor then and got out of the business. I want to be a fan again. Uh, then I'm going to go to Knoxville. Never been to Neyland for a game. Really? So. It's awesome. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've actually Unless visited. Ole Miss loses 56 to 14, then you're really just dealing with some stuff out there. I don't want to say any bad words, just some bad stuff. You know what's funny about that game is, you know, so Direct TV, or sorry, Dish Network, I think, is owned by UT alum. So anytime they have Sling TV or Direct or uh, Dish Network commercials, they use that game because UT scored so many touchdowns against us. They'll be like live sports, and it's like some receiver catching a touchdown against Ole Miss. Um, Hate seeing that. All right. After all, what is years. your best Ole Miss Tennessee memory? Is it pretty obviously Dex? Uh yeah, a hundred percent. I was there with my dad in 08 and just that whole season, man. Like we had our season tickets. Like uh, you know, just I remember that was supposed to be such a big season, and although it was a little disappointing, that game absolutely stands Unreal. out. It was like yep. Tech Mobile. I was sitting in the press box, and you could see how the play was developing. Any play where Dexter got the ball, and it was like playing a video game. And you just watch him weaving in and out. It was like technical. Oh, yeah. And that was like, remember Eric Berry's big year? And everyone's like, well, you know, he's the last line of defense. No one can get by him. And Dex just, he sunned him. Yeah, man. yeah. He, he just, just like, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> he turned him around, <laughs> ran past it. Was, it was nothing. All right. Got to go to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Ashante Seastrock, Ole Miss linebacker and Ole Miss offensive lineman Jalen Cunningham. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you filling in. Yeah, thanks, Ben. He's Suda Upadeh. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and 247 Sports. Going now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Ole Miss linebacker Ashanti Seastrunk and Ole Miss offensive lineman Jalen Cunningham. Before we do, let's hear from Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge Chief Ram of Oxford, and Chinese Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know, because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless, even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call. 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue. Just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, Christ of Dodge, Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy. 
a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Chinese Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Ole Miss linebacker Ashanti Seastrunk. Ashanti, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, man? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on and doing this. You're in the middle of fall camp practices, the season coming up. How's it been so far? Uh, everything's been pretty good. You know, we're getting after it, getting ready for the season. You know, a lot of big things are coming. For you, what have you been working on in particular, just for your game? Uh, I've been working on my speed and physicality, taking on blocks and all that. You know, a lot's been made of the defense, obviously. You're probably tired of hearing about it, all you guys, about last year and how it was a struggle defensively. But as a defense, so far in fall camp, what have you seen from the group? Have you seen some improvement? Have you seen y'all getting better every single day? Yeah, every day we're getting 1% better, if not more. The last scrimmage, you know, the twos had a little rough time, but the ones we did pretty good. It was pretty good. What has been the biggest difference compared to last year? Uh, really and truly, the biggest difference, I want to say, is everyone's combined effort. Like, we're running to the ball now, getting after it. When you turn on the tape from last year and you watched what happened, what was the problem? What was the biggest issue? If you could identify one area of weakness, what was it? Uh, execution. Like, busting calls, misfitting runs, and all that. Simple minor mistakes. You've played 22 games in two years. That's a lot of games. You're a vet now. Do you feel like a vet? I don't necessarily feel like a vet, really. But since I got here, I could say <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling really old, really. What about this team do you think is different compared to last year? Because y'all got a lot of confidence from last year, going 5-5 five and five, the first year under Lane Kiffin. This team, do y'all feel a different confidence about it? Uh, yes. Uh, everybody, you know, we didn't get the full fall count last year because of COVID, you know, before practicing and all that. But this year, I believe we're going to be a threat. As far as the newcomers, what have you seen from some guys that maybe have impressed you? Anybody in particular that you've been impressed with so far? The freshman corner, Marquisius Brown. Man, I saw him break on the balls today. It was amazing. For guys like that that are coming in and trying to I make an impression immediately, you've been in that spot before. What is your advice that you've been giving those guys? Because sometimes, you know this, when you come in, man, you're just trying to fly around, do as much as you can, and, and really just show out. So how do you slow it down and make an impact in year one? Because you did it. Well, I tell them to just lock in, focus on your keys. You know, don't try to do too much. Just do what you got to do. Do your job. 
and be one and oh, and you'll have success. Practicing every day against this offense, what has it been like? How has it helped you guys as a defense? Because look, man, y'all going to play a lot of good offenses this year, but not many of them are going to be as good as the offense you're going against every single day. So how has that helped you guys? <laughs> man, playing our offense is it's tough, but it's getting us ready. It's a bunch of moving parts, and everything is just crazy, man. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Matt Corral is obviously the focal point right now. Had a great year last year. Playing across from him, do you see a different confidence about him now that he's done it, now that everybody's got their eyes on him? Is he taking a step up? What have you seen from him on the other side of it going against him every day? Man, Matt, it's Matt he plays like a pro, really and truly. Like, it's crazy, man. I feel like I'm going against an NFL quarterback every day. And obviously, everybody's going to be making a big deal about Elijah not being here. And rightfully so. He was great. But I'm hearing that Braylon's been showing out. Some other guys have been showing out, too, as a wide receiver group. What have you seen from those guys? And having to cover Chase Rogers every other play, or maybe you got a guy in the slot covering all the weapons that Ole Miss has, including Jerry on Ely, maybe lining up at wide receiver a little bit. What about the weapons offensively that makes it challenging for you guys every single day and get y'all better? The crazy part is everybody is a weapon. <laughs> you can't sleep on nobody on the offensive side. What is your focus this year? What are you trying to maybe set as far as goals for yourself? I want to just do what I got to do to get my team where we need to be, you know. Uh, make some plays when I still get a little stats in, but I just want to win. In the offseason for you, what did you kind of focus in on? Is there any area where you're like, okay, I got to get a little bit better here. I want to do this because, like I said, you've been productive for two years, man. This isn't like... You're just trying to take a step up. You're just trying to improve on what you're already good at. So is there any particular area in the offseason that you really attack for yourself? Uh, in the offseason, I was pretty much focusing on gaining my weight back because I had I had dropped in the spring to like 215. Now I'm back up to 229. And that's pretty much where I was, my focal point was and to keep my speed with it. Wait a second. How'd you get down to 215? <laughs> Uh, it was a lot of running. We were getting after Defensively, we keep harping on this, but this is the second year under DJ Durkin. And because y'all didn't get spring last year, and really they didn't get their hands on y'all till fall camp, now that you've had a full right. year into it, is there a benefit to that, to having actually been in the system for a year? How can you take from that, being in the system for a year? Uh, I could say it's more, more of a learning experience. Like We have more time to learn everything. And, like, get different looks from different, you know, different personnel and all that. So it's, it won't be like we've seen it only once or something like that. Have y'all set expectations for yourself? Do y'all even talk about that as far as what y'all want to accomplish? Because, look, I've talked to a number of different guys for this podcast before, man, and pretty much every single one of them say, we expect to compete for a playoff spot. Is that kind of where you're at? Yes, sir. Yes, it's pretty obvious. You can see by how everyone is just taking everything serious. We're practicing hard, getting after it. Like, nobody is, no days off. That's everybody's mindset. Well, one of the last things I'll let you go. So, I've asked you about the freshman, and you mentioned Marquevious Brown. What about those JUCOs? We talk about Isaiah Iton, we talk about Jamon Gordon, Chance Campbell coming in as a transfer. He's not a JUCO, but a transfer. Just the other newcomers, how can that help, and what have you seen from them? What have they done to maybe impress you so far? Chance, he's impressed me. He's been catching picks and all that, interceptions. Um, picking up fumbles, you know, making turnovers. And then Isaiah Aiden and Jamon Gordon, 
man, I seen them toss old linemen like nothing. So I'm I'm excited for them. For y'all as a defense, what is the overall goal? What is the expectation? The goals I'll say is uh more turnovers this year and then not allowing anybody, I mean nobody over twenty one points. That's the goal. He's Ashanti Seastrunk, Ole Miss linebacker. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you. We'll talk again. Thank you. That was Ole Miss linebacker Ashanti Seastrunk. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Suda Upadea at Suda Upadea on Twitter. Bradley Sal, he's going to be back next week as a guest on either Tuesday or Thursday. David Johnson is going to return as the regular co-host. And then make sure to be tuning in when me and Brad start the post-game shows after every single Ole Miss football game, as well as any big development in football or recruiting or just Ole Miss in general, me and Brad are going to hop on and do instant analysis pieces for you on Talk of Champions. And also got a really cool segment planned with Ben Brown once football season starts. So all of that to look forward to in Talk of Champions. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our phone line sponsor, our title sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. And no background experience is necessary but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who's highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler, Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. Going now back to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Jalen Cunningham, Ole Miss offensive lineman, to wrap this thing up. This is Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Ole Miss offensive lineman Jalen Cunningham. Jalen, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on? Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Tell me about fall camp. How's it been going so far? It's been it's been a good fall camp. You know, we went went ready for it last year because of COVID, but this year we're really finally getting back at it. So it's been fun. It's been long but fun. After the success of last year, do you feel a different sense or a different vibe about this team? as y'all prepare for the season opener? I feel like a very completely different vibe. Last year, it was a good season last year, but we just didn't execute how good we could have been on both sides of the ball. I feel like this year, we all locked in on both sides of the ball in all phases of the game. And we can execute if we just put it all, all, all pieces to the puzzle. Offensively, y'all were really good last year. Now you lost some pieces with Elijah and Kenny, obviously, but you returned so much. And now that you've actually had a full year with the success of last year and a spring and an offseason and now a fall camp, do you sense a different approach to this group compared to last year, knowing that y'all could just hit the ground running? Has it been like that for y'all? I feel like it's the same vibe, even though we missed a couple pieces, like you said, Elijah and Kenny. But we got different guys stepping up in the same spots and just executing every day. It's been a big story, and I was going to wait to ask you about it, but my God, man, you lost so much weight. And I think it was like 50 pounds or something, right? Yeah. What did you do? Because, God, man, I'd love to lose 50 pounds. So what did you do? I was just changing my diet plan, really, because I used to eat just a bunch of fast food in high school. That's how I got to 388. And then when I came here playing defense, they told me I just had to drop weight. And that's when I went to the offensive line. I've been dropping weight ever since. Just, you know, sticking to a good diet plan, eating more vegetables than I do 
other things, but he's been good. And I've just been dropping that and running, doing conditioning work, all that. And I'm at 3.30 right now. Now, so many Ole Miss fans are listening to this right now and going, wait a second, okay, diet plan. They're taking notes. And if somebody was asking you, all right, how do I lose some weight? What's the diet plan? What I did, I was eating a bunch of fruits, a bunch of, like, parfaits. And I was, my main thing was salad. So I eat salad and, like, I put a piece of protein on, like, steak or chicken. That's all I've really been eating. So it's been good like that. Okay, so how do you avoid being hungry at night? I honestly don't have an appetite at night. I'm not. I'm gonna have an appetite in the morning or like late at night. I usually like twice a day in the second meal. I'm done. So once you got down 50 pounds, how did that change the way you play? How how did that change the way you attack work and things like that? Could you tell a real difference? I feel like I'm better moving out of my stance, and then it's been good like that because I've been moving out of my stance better and everything. Now, as far as offensive line play, when you came in. You could have played defense. You could have played offense. When you moved to offensive line, what did you have to learn? And now how much different of a player are you compared to when you first got here now that you've been an offensive lineman for a couple of years? When I first got here, it was, it was real tough. because I never played offensive line a day in my life except for one play in high school going towards the playoffs. That was the only time I played. I played right tackle. But ever since then, it's, it's been a – I want to say it's been a struggle, but it's just been more – me understanding how to play offensive line because me playing defense my whole life, I never understood like the blocking techniques of offensive linemen. So me transitioning to that side and actually doing it and executing it, it's been it's been a it's been a journey. But I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to like the stage I need to be at. Are you starting to feel more like you are a natural offensive lineman? That it's not something that you're in a place where you've never been before. I still feel like I have much to go, like a, a road to go, and keep on. Just trucking every day and just learning different schemes, different blocking techniques, getting my footwork right. Because on defense, I played nose guard, so I really didn't have to think about that much. But just play two gaps, hold up two gaps, and that's it. But now playing offense, it's, 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 a, it's good learning how to play offense and knowing both sides of the ball. And plus, me knowing both sides of the ball is helping out a lot. Offensively, y'all had so much success last year, like I mentioned. And y'all have been able to hit the ground running. Have you seen that? in fall camp so far? Because it feels like, especially after that scrimmage, that y'all are already rolling, man. Like, if the season started tomorrow, y'all can go out there and play. Does it kind of feel like that for y'all? Yeah, it does. It's fast tempo. That's how it is. That's how it is. I mean, if you know how to execute it, it it's just kind of easy to you natural. What's the difference between Matt Corral this year compared to going into last year? I feel like he's more – because Coach Kiffin, he's, he says about the pro mindset, I feel like Matt, he's like the definition – a pro mindset because he's in here every single day. He don't leave until the coaches leave. He's he's working on this game twenty four seven. So I feel like he's he's locked in. He know he, what we need to do as a team and how far we need to go to get what we want. Have any newcomers impressed you so far? Uh, defensive line. I feel like Isaiah Iden because I go up against him every single day. So he, I know he, he he's strong. He's strong. He's stronger than me up body wise, and he's 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 a monster at nose. Any other guys on the offensive end, especially those offensive linemen? Because you know how this is, man. Offensive line is the yeah. hardest place to break in at if you're a true freshman coming in. But Cedric Nicely, guys like that, they're being asked to actually get in there and mix it up a little bit. Have you seen anything that's impressed you about those guys? I feel like the, the two that I stay out to me is Eric, Eric Kate and Michael Pettis because they probably they have like the same journey I went through, like weight-wise, and I feel like that's holding them back a little bit. I've been, I've been pushing them to lose the weight. Cause I, I did it, so I mean, like I know it's easy, 
to say it, but they got to put the work in to do it as well. So I just feel like if they keep doing the way I'm telling them to do it, they'll be great. Defensively, obviously, there's a lot of emphasis on how much of a struggle it was for them. But now that y'all are going against them every single day and you know that the struggle is what they were last year, have you seen a difference with the defense? And if so, how? I absolutely have. I feel like this defense, the 2022 season defense, is probably going to be the best defense we've had at Ole Miss like the last four or five years. Because they're, they're communicating more what they did in previous years. They're playing together as a defense, a big unit, and they're all putting the pieces to the puzzle. What has been the biggest difference for you for this camp compared to last year? Because like I said, y'all didn't get any of this. Y'all didn't get the offseason. Y'all didn't get the spring. But now that the whole team has been through an offseason, through a spring, and you're able to just get together and have a normal camp, what has been the biggest difference? How has that been different? Staying connected because with like last year, we didn't have like none of this. So this year, I feel like this will be needed. Like, because we, if we come together as a team before the season, it's going to be easy when I get there. So that's what has been the main like focus in my eyes, like getting connected with every single one, everybody that's coming in, like transfers, JUCOs, freshmen, all that. For you, what are your personal goals for this year? My personal goal is to move up in the depth chart. Because right now I'm sitting behind Ben Brown. I feel like I just got to keep pushing, keep focusing on like learning the offense still. And then, like, just really transition my body and transition my mind to offensive lineman and thinking as offensive lineman and blocking and doing everything as offensive lineman at a high level. What is the expectation as a team? Do y'all talk about that as far as I've had a number of guys on this podcast before, and many have said, hey, man, we're going for a playoff spot. Is that the expectation? Do y'all even talk about that kind of stuff? Yes, sir. We were, we were looking to win 13, 14 games and keep on track. So when you look at this team and you prepare for the season opener, what has to get done over the next couple of weeks of fall camp to make sure you're in the perfect spot to open the year? Staying locked in as a team, staying connected as a team, executing every day of practice, fall camp, four days we got left of fall camp. And then after that, just protecting the team, really. Because I know football-wise, we all want to get that done, but protecting the team, that's probably the biggest one that we all need to do. So stay on the road to what we need to get. Well, I mentioned those uh, freshman offensive linemen, and you brought them up. But any of those freshman skill players like a J.J. Henry or Braylon Brown or Brandon Buckhalter, any of those guys stood out to you? Yeah, Braylon and Brandon, they, they're two dogs. They, I love them at receivers. What does it take to make an impact in year one? Because you were one of those guys that actually got to mix it up a little bit. So to be able to come in and make an impact, if you could give any of those guys advice on what they have to do to make an impact, what do they got to do? Um, we all got here for a reason and Ole Miss connected with us in high school for a reason. So just keep on doing what we've been doing for like the last seven, eight years that we've been playing football and keep doing that and keep showing people that you're different from everybody else. Well, last thing I'll let you go. Louisville's coming up in about three weeks or so. I know you haven't hit that point in fall camp yet where there's just that malaise where you're tired of hitting each other, but how much are y'all just itching, excited to get this thing started? You're ready because I'm tired of hitting the same people every single day. I'm ready to go to Atlanta and play Louisville. He's Jalen Cunningham, Ole Miss offensive lineman. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you. We'll talk again. Yes, sir. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.